It's happening. So it's the year end recap. Woo-hoo. So who wants to take it over? How was the year? Wh- what do you think about the year that was 2020? Is this 2020? 2021. 2021. 2021. You missed a year, Todd. It's <laughs> kind of what everybody's done. We've yeah. all missed. Everybody who's gone through COVID has missed a year. Jeez, really? Everybody, welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. How are you? I hope you're grand. I mean, that's always my hope anyway. I always hope everyone's grand and happy and getting everything they need. Um, but today is, uh, we're, there's no secret, we're, we're towards the end of the year. And so today is a podcast that I've been so excited to uh, share with you guys. It, it's, a, it's a recap of the year podcast. But it's not going to be like you think it's going to be. I'm not going to play clips from the greatest hits of 2021. Although there were some great clips and some great hits. What I did was, in fact, bring together Martha Costa, Ivan Papaliti, Mark Yeston, and myself. And we sat around one kind of late afternoon, and I asked them what they thought about last year. And you should know, in fact, I think I already teased it as the intro. I even got the year wrong. That's how messed up I am on the whole year thing. And I didn't know what to expect because why would you? I mean, it's just a group of friends sitting around talking and the four of us don't get together that much. So it was kind of a treat anyway. And, um, I kind of thought it would be, uh, you know, this was the highlight and this, but it actually was a much more sensitive discussion around kindness and loss and grief and the work we do and how organizations are coping with it and how workers are coping with it and what we all learn from it. And it's a really interesting discussion. Uh, it's it's sensitive and, and kind of meaningful. I think you'll like it a lot, actually. I mean, I'm kind of certain you'll like it a lot. And, and I'm happy because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Even though, you know, by now, I never really have any preconceived notions of what anything's going to be like one of the funny things, at least I think it's funny. I don't think other people think it's that funny is a lot of people will say, um, you know, I want to be on your podcast. Would you please send me what questions you're going to ask? And I always say the same thing. No, I'm not going to say, how how am I going to know what I ask you until I ask you? And what I ask you is going to be entirely contingent upon what you just said. And so we're not going to rehearse this. And I'll be honest. Some people, um, that's not the gig they want. And so they they say, well, I won't be on it then. And I say, yeah, that's, yeah, probably, yeah, that's probably the best decision to not be on it because if this bugs you, I like it to be kind of organic and just uh, let the conversation happen. And that's exactly what this did. And I will be honest with you, this is a two-parter. But you're going to have to wait a year for part two because I asked them to recap 2021 and then in the same vein I asked them to think ahead for 2022 and so I thought maybe the first podcast of 2022 will be part two of this podcast where the four of us kind of think ahead about what lies in store what's going to happen next where we're going to go what we're thinking about where we're interested because I always think that's a great 
question. I'm always really curious where people are kind of putting their energy and, and what they're taking stock of and where they're pointing their compass. Cause that is telling at a bunch of levels. And that second part of the podcast is, is, is interesting as well. It's, it's, it's very good. And again, it's completely different than I thought it would be. Um, but in this case, for the second part of the podcast, I was hoping I'd get some answers, but I didn't, I, I just got a, a series of better and richer and more context filled questions by which I could ponder. But that is really what the next couple podcasts are going to be like. It's going to be the four of us just sitting around talking about the world as we know it and what that means to us and where we're all heading. So that is a pretty good way to kick off mid-December. And the next uh, several podcasts will be celebration podcasts because you know that's coming. I mean, we got that happening. So I want you to take some time and listen carefully. But even better, I want you to invite yourself to sit on the couch next to us and be a part of this conversation. Be in the room with us. Um, that actually would be a fun thing to do as well. It'd be fun to spend time with you and and I'm sure we could do it. We could make that happen. We're, we're good at logistics. We know how to do this kind of stuff. But until then, why don't you sit back and relax and listen to four friends talk about 2021, the year in review. I think you'll find it to be interesting. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Keep listening. Keep doing it. It's um, It's amazing to me. It's one of the coolest things I get to do is hang out with you. So I like that a lot. It's fun. That Maybe that's why I keep doing it. Yeah, it must be why I keep doing it. So let me shut up. Here comes the conversation. Enjoy. So Todd, like a little over a year ago when you were doing the podcast and you had like that uh, urgent, you know, like bulletin music on, like COVID update, how long did you think you would be doing that? At, at the most? Well, I thought it would be long because they told me this would take three years. Yeah. The first person I talked to about the, the like in February of, of 2020, mm-hmm. said this is a three-year. We've drilled this scenario, and this is a three-year drill. Mm-hmm. So I knew it would be three years, but I honestly thought we would be – I thought it would be different by now. Yeah, me too. But now we have to add sort of all the layers, the other layers of chaos into it. It's not like we just lived through a pandemic. It's been – a social upheaval. It's been crazy tornado clusters. It. I mean, I don't even remember. I can't even remember all of the disasters we've had because the latest disaster has so consumed my attention. So I talked to a guy today from a really big company who said that the senior leadership team is really hammering the message back to the basics. Hmm. hmm. What do you guys think? So I think that's wrong. I, I, I think that's kind of malpractice actually. So why do you think that? Tell me. Because I don't think – I think the basics have changed. Okay. Right. But, I mean, I'm I, open. I think I'm, the basics changed as soon as safety discovered complexity. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the big thing is that safety is finally moving into that realm where complex adaptive systems are, is part of our, our language. But it's easier to have that discussion now because of the pandemic. I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think the, the pandemic definitely opened up the idea that people didn't have the control they thought they had. And no. that's a, a big part of that argument. Not right? even and, close. And, 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 and Todd, when you said, like, I think that's malpractice, so we must be looking at this in different ways. Because people I'm talking to 
we were able to have conversations about like, so before the pandemic, you and your safety pros were in the field all the time. You were doing your audits, you were checking forms, you were doing all this stuff. And now you weren't there. What, what changed? Did all of a sudden everything spiral out of control and people got different and, and dangerous things happened or did work just kind of continue? I, so I think that, you know, and I'll be interested to hear your take, but in, in one situation, I think that this um, forced withdrawal from being so hands-on and so um, omniscient with the workers actually provided an opportunity to see what happens when we're not around, which is been interesting to me. What do you think? Well, so that's probably my highlight story. If I had to I'm pick sorry. one, no, no, you're right on target. If I had you to pick can't, one, you can't invite me to your house. Stick a <laughs> microphone in my face. Give me a cocktail made with prune juice. Let me prune just juice. say that <laughs> it's the cocktail that just continually gives. It never right. stops giving. Right, well, I might have to go. <laughs> <laughs> and right yet you'll pumps. still stay. It's you can now hang out. <laughs> yeah, now, <laughs> now it's time to go. The conversation has <laughs> gone downhill. So what do you think, Todd? So I, I, you know, I taught that bouncing forward class a million billion mm-hmm. times. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, and it 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 basically was a discussion on complexity and uncertainty. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily very new or interesting information. Used VUCA as the frame. It's a good little class. I mean, it wasn't really a class. It was just kind of a discussion. And I had a senior leader, like a CEO level leader, of a really really big company, like multinational big big company. And I asked them as one of the action learnings in that little lecture. What have you learned based upon what's happened so far? To really emphasize the ability to continuously learn, and they should be asking questions because of this. And the senior leader got on, he was really serious, and he said, I'm amazed at how much slack the workers picked up. He said, their ability to adapt to this change, we never stopped actually doing our work. In fact, accidents and injuries went down. You can sort of predict what he says. Our production numbers stayed high in the midst of a tremendous amount of uncertainty with no head office help, nobody there actually making sure that permitting was correct. Right. And those guys stepped up to the plate and were successful. And then he stopped, and I gave a sufficient pause for dramatic effect. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know they do that all the time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's actually harder to do when you're there. But that's how all work gets done. And he paused for a long time and he said, I hadn't actually thought of it that way. And I said, the adaptive ability for your workers to solve problems in real time is what they do all day. The pandemic just gave you a new lens to understand how they're successful. That was pretty meaningful to that guy and certainly to his peers that were on it. I don't know what happened because I didn't follow up. I probably... Got overcome by other events. But, <laughs> but I mean, that, that, that's a really interesting yeah. part of it. And that makes me think, are we learning from this event? Have we asked, when everything went away, what did we miss? And when everything went away, what do we need to not bring well, back? Tell me your critique of that going your um, – Back to basics. Going back to basics. What, what, what is wrong with that? Because in my mind, it's, you know – we had a we had a a, a, a a moment in time forced upon us where uh-huh. we could actually go back. And when I think of the basics, I think like what actually works, what has an impact. Yeah, I don't think they. So, okay, so, so they were. This is a leadership person, like a senior leadership person, right? 
I think they were really saying kind of a coded way back to normal, back to we want to go back to what we used to do. Okay. Well, that's different. You know, it's totally different, but I mean, I think it's a, it warrants a good discussion because it's interesting because when I heard it, I, I thought they're going to go back to life-saving rules, back to basic rules. That's what I read when you said mm, it. That would even give me – my underwear just went – Right. it bunched up a little right then. <laughs> yeah, mine too. And that's why I thought, oh, that's terrible. So – but that's where my mind went with back to basic. What do you think of Martha? You're being kind of like Switzerland over there. <laughs> I, You know – I, I don't know what to think necessarily of getting back to basics. I mean, certainly paying attention to what are the the critical steps that make something successful is one of the great things that we can learn from the pandemic because the fact that you really figure out what is superfluous when you have to do we have to do what you used to do before under a lot of constraints. I can't believe you just used the word superfluous. Like in a conversation. I used yes. That seems like a word you'd only read. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, you know what I mean? No, no, I, I and, think I should name a cat that. I mean it's a good name for a cat. It is. Well the cat come, well it doesn't <laughs> cats come if they want to or not, so that doesn't matter. Right. So so I mean I think that that. That idea of determining what is unnecessary is a pretty important idea. Mm-hmm. And and we had this great experiment. Right. I mean, I think we're still having this great experiment to some extent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think one of the things we learned is that what's necessary changes contextually. And I think that, that the, the pandemic kind of highlighted that for a lot of people. So like the story that you told about that CEO, I think that's his big learning. Yeah. That's really what he walked away with is that when my workers – do what's necessary, they do what's necessary, and I don't have to tell them to do it. But necessary is defined by the situation. It's just so interesting to me that he had no clue that that's how work happened anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's the belief right. that the work exists in the process, that that the, the, the procedure, the paperwork, is what actually governs the work. Well, maybe he was doing scripted Gemba walks. Well, don't you think every senior leader does scripted gimbal walks? Yeah, exactly and don't you think right. when the senior leader goes out there, when the CEO goes out there, they've repainted everything. They have, changed. Changed. <laughs> yeah. they have re- really good donuts in the break room. Mm-hmm. And I the coffee suddenly gets better. Yeah. Another thing that was interesting along these lines is that, you know, so COVID comes along, work changes, and organizations have to put in all kinds of new procedures. Some of them mandated by government, some of mm-hmm. them, you know, in-house and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we've got like, you know, masking, we've got separation. We've got things. So a couple of outfits that I've worked with over the past, you know, during this pandemic, you know, were calling me up kind of alarms. Like we're having an increase in events. And uh, as we looked into it and we talked about it, they had actually gone through a process. They were new to hop, you know, but years prior to engaging in this kind of stuff, they got into a process where they – figured they would be kind of egalitarian. They would get with their workers and, and they would have their workers come up with a list of like whatever it was, 10, 12 causes. And then they would engage their workers in their investigations and they would have to choose from that list of causes. And they were, you know, the kinds of things you would think about, failed to stop work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, and the one that w- really popped up a lot was like, you know, uh, being in the line of fire. You know, which is kind of like saying, like, you know, don't drive to where the car accident is going to be. But right. the interesting thing was, and they were kind of like, you know, violating workers. As I said, they were young on this journey and they're really trying to change. But they're like, this is terrible because we have like, 
you know, six of these things. Thank God nobody's in bad shape, you know, but six of these things. And they were all like line of fire incidents. Our workers are, you know, out there in the field doing this stuff, and yet they're putting themselves in harm's way. And so when we actually, you know, finished looking at it, it was more like this. You know, normally when you were doing that particular work they were talking about, and this, this was electrical utility stuff, um, you would have apprentices and helpers with you kind of taking the tension off of the lines and the equipment while you were there engaging, and you could concentrate on what you were doing, and they were kind of protecting you. And now they have to be six feet away. And now you're not even driving to the work in the same vehicles, so you're not really talking about the work that you're going to do, so you're just kind of recomposing teams all the time. Mm -hmm. And then the structure of the capacities that they had put in place were now defeated by the new procedure. And we talk about that all the time, you know, mm -hmm. that when we, when we, after an event, when we open the procedure book, you know, what were they doing? Like, well, they did this. Do we have a procedure for that? Yes, we do. Were they following the procedure? And then we pull out the procedure. And what we always find is this beautiful, concisely written, easy to follow procedure. And we'd never appreciate is that the workers all the time are running multiplicities of those procedures in completely complex environments. Right. We pull out the page of any one of those things is totally straightforward. And so when we introduced new procedures, as we all had to do during this COVID thing, we, we just dumped in a whole big bucket of complexity. Well, you don't think about how they intersect with each other and what parts of it might be incom what's incompatible with something else until you actually run through it, right? right? And see them all happening at the same time and like, well, I can't actually do this yet. Follow this procedure and follow this procedure. Yeah, I'll mostly do this one. I'll comply with the flavor of this one and yeah. the flavor of that one. And then I will rip a fingernail off and it's a reportable and I was in the line of fire. You know, <clears throat> I mean, right. so, but, but, the, but to their credit, these companies went back and had some pretty interesting internal discussions about like, what does this mean when we lay a new policy or procedure on people and how mm -hmm. does that affect the others? Mm -hmm. It's a big job to look at it all. Ooh. What was your highlight, Ivan, of all the many highlights you can choose from? I know it's going to be hard. Oh, I don't know how hard it's going to be. My highlight's been the, the students in the program. So the academic perspective on this, teaching a bunch of engineers and bringing social science to them is kind of a blast, right? Because all of a sudden their eyes are, are opened by the, the complex nature of the work that they've already been doing that they didn't recognize they were doing. And so they think, well, we can't just manage risk. We've got to think about it differently. You mean there's a social aspect to risk? And the pandemic really helped us. So when the, when the pandemic first broke, we started using that as a case study in our crisis leadership course. And we haven't been able to shake it. That's ever since the pandemic started, we have not been able to do a semester without crisis leadership using that as their case study. But what it does is it opens the door for them to understand exactly what the CEO in your story understands and the workers in your story what they understood is that these things are layered and and it's not so much detangling the layers it's negotiating how these layers come together Negotiate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and and that's been really the fun part is watching the students do that through this lens of the pandemic it's just been fantastic for us i mean we couldn't have thought of a better way to get the students to learn about complex systems really mm -hmm. are, are they learning faster is that a fair question? I don't know if that's a fair question. It's a weird question. Because I would think it would be – I would think you would apply knowledge faster just based upon the context that we're in now. Well, if we consider it – if we consider learning the challenging of, of one's assumptions as opposed to the application of something, 
then I would say that that's happening faster. The challenging of those assumptions that they held about the way the world worked, that's happened at a really basic level in their day-to-days. So it, it easily transfers over into the academic discussions. So I think that that part of it's happening faster. As but far the, as the, the joy of grad school is you learn it on Tuesday and try it on Wednesday. Yeah, and <laughs> especially in our program. I mean, that's what yeah. it's all about. So, And our students are coming out with some of the most brilliant capstone projects. I mean, they're just incredible capstone projects because of this. So uh, one, one of the students did her project on women in medicine and how women are treated differently in the medical sphere regarding pain. And it was a phenomenally interesting thing. And she went back in history and talked about how women were labeled as hysterical when they would, have, when they would present with pain, whereas men were given pain medication. And she, she had this really wonderful expose that she did on this entire situation. Another one came as an anti-vaxxer. She actually presented and said, I am an anti-vaxxer. I don't think that this thing is right. How could they develop a vaccine in this short a period of time? And my res- response to that was, sounds like a great capstone project. Why don't you do some research and find out how this thing was developed and why it makes sense for people to put their support behind it and why it doesn't. And so she did a really great job researching this. And she's no longer an anti-vaxxer. So that's pretty interesting. In fact, she's now advocating for vaccinations. So I'd say that the pandemic has given us a lot of different lenses to look at the world. But this idea of being able to challenge assumptions, I think that's been accelerated. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Martha? Highlight? Highlight? Well, of 2021, <laughs> I believe, if I've got that right. 2021 <laughs> has been, for me, a great year in meeting people and talking to them and for me, learning from all of these different lenses and getting outside of the little bubble that I've been in for a long time. I'm kind of a bubble, bubble girl. You're a bubble person. <laughs> bubble person. Um, you know, uh, and one person that I met, um, uh, you guys probably know him, Fred Proctor, who is from Farmington and has a, a background in, uh, in, in, you know, the extraction industries and the oil industry. And uh, I, you know, I, I met him virtually. I thought he was hilarious because he said he called himself a Y baby. And, and he told me the story, which I actually asked him once he told me the story. Can I tell the story again? Because I want to tell the story again. But he was talking about, um, I guess it seems like ages ago, but remember sort of the issues that we were having with oil? at the beginning of the year and at the end of, at the end of 2020. And so within the oil industry, oil prices had dropped dramatically and, um, and, and people who were used to getting workers who were used to getting overtime were no longer getting overtime. And he, he noticed that uh, one of his teams that, that usually was sort of the star team, right? They were the star team and everything star and efficiency, uh, star and safety, star and all of that, they were having a lot of trouble. And he was having to give them a lot more attention. And what he realized by actually just listening to them and talking to them and 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 trying to see them as sort of the whole people dealing with a larger situation than just the mistakes or issues that might come up at work, he realized that their mindset was that they were trying to be heroes because they'd always been the heroes. They were trying to be heroes at work Mm. and that was creating a lot of problem. 
in their safety and in other areas. And it was because they had always been that team. And now they were trying to save, (laughs) they were sort of single-handedly trying to save the industry so that people could get their overtime back because they, you know, everybody had always worked that way. And so now they couldn't actually afford their lives. All of a sudden there was a huge financial pressure. So of course, Fred couldn't give them their overtime back, but when he thought about how do I serve the people so that they can make good decisions at work? And he said, well, I have training budget. Why don't I train them on financial management? Why don't I send them to, so, so they, so instead of sort of how, how we've always been like train them back on the procedure or train thinking about the whole person and saying, well, what this, what they really need to reduce the stress on themselves is to be able to manage their finances and figure out how to live without that time and a half. And how to plan for retirement. Yeah. How to do all of those sorts of things, actually reducing the amount of stress. I mean, we, everyone's been under a lot of stress for the last couple of years. And I think we forget that. I mean, and it's chronic stress Mm -hmm. and it manifests. I mean, you really see, it's a pretty good bet that most of the people listening aren't sleeping the same way they used to sleep. Right. I mean, that's changed for everybody. Yeah. Um, they're probably eating crap, but generally if they listen to this podcast, they probably were eating crap before this podcast. So that's not that, <laughs> that's not that unusual. I'm sleeping differently. I, I moved into a bed. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. So if you had to, if you had to make one, uh, one's limiting, if you, if you had to think of what were the lessons this pandemic taught us. Cause I'm actually surprised we've all responded to the pandemic in, 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 it doesn't surprise me because we're positive people, but I'm surprised that it's been mostly a positive experience for us because for a lot of people, this hasn't been positive. It's been horrible. I mean, it's been horrific, horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of people have died. Lots of people, their jobs have changed forever. Lots of people, their jobs went away. Mm-hmm. What, what should we take out of here to to bounce forward, to be better. Well, some, some of the students that we've been <clears throat> teaching in the program have made major life changes through this. They've said, you know, I'm not going to get wrapped up in this corporate bureaucracy. That's not where I want to spend my time. Um, you know, Ben, our friend Ben, right? he left Boise, sold his house in Boise and moved toward his parents' home in, I think, Wisconsin. And he's living there, you know, and he's living kind of almost off the grid, just Changed his entire lifestyle. Now, he had the ability to do that because of the way we structured that job, right? So he could live remotely and work remotely. But I'm seeing that happen with students who otherwise would have worked in corporate America, where they said, you know, I'm just going to unplug from this. This isn't worth it. I need to take that time for myself. And so I think some of them have realized that. So that would be bouncing forward, I would think. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's such a phenomenon. There's a name for it. They call it the the resignation generation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's interesting because our parents' resignation would have been defined completely differently. Oh, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Resigned to finish What about you, work. Mark? What's what's the lesson you're taking out of it? Um, I was just thinking about that while I was talking, and, and uh, I don't know. I guess I'm motivated to say that uh, the thing that scares me the most is how uh, going through this for the past couple of years has um, in some way made us less sensitive to – what other people are going through. Mm. 
my mom just passed away, you know, a couple months ago, and yeah, she was 87 years old. Yeah, she had Alzheimer's, but what what killed her was breakthrough COVID. And so when you talk to people, you know, they say, well, you know, she had a good life. Oh, she had underlying conditions. That's a pretty normal thing. But <clears throat> what's normal? My mom grew up in the Depression. Um, my parents were World War II generation. I remember stories of, uh, you know, when the nation was making sacrifices and my mom couldn't wear nylon stockings, so they would take mascara and draw a line up their legs, which represented the seam that old-timey stockings used to have, so it made it look like you were wearing stockings. And you, you still do that to this day, don't you? <laughs> uh, you just handed me a line that I'm not <laughs> going to go with. <laughs> but, no. But the difference in how far we've come, that the idea of shared sacrifice, watching out for each other, and the fact that you know, I was fortunate. I was able to be with my mom for the for last few days and not through a window. But I lived in fear this whole time that I was not going to be able to yeah. be there mm-hmm. for her. And a lot of people have gone through that experience. Yeah. And to say to them, like, you know, oh, well, they had underlying conditions or had it coming or whatever. No, we we owe them better. Yeah. And we, in fact, owe ourselves better. I agree. And, mm-hmm. and responding with that kind of sensitivity, the kindness, whatever word you want to call that. That seems to be a really important message that's kind of almost lost in a way. And I think you're right. I think I think people are so in their own heads yeah. that the idea that they're suffering and sacrificing, you know, by n- not traveling on United Airlines or yeah. whatever amazing burden they and, carry. And the we that we see about each other is not the we who we are on TV. Yeah. We're neighbors. We're coworkers. We're bosses. Yeah. We're family. Yeah. It's a good point. I just love Mark Eston. And I just appreciate him so much. And I really appreciated how he kind of took us to a really good place at the end of the podcast. It was it was an important message for us to all, all to hear. And, you know, I think it was kind of an important message for Mark to share. So it was a, it was a win-win. I'd never say that. But I think that is what that was. And it was so great to spend time with Ivan. And it was so fun to spend time with Martha. Um, and it was a good time to spend with you. So I would say all in all, that was a pretty good afternoon. Unless you're walking your dog on Sunday morning. And it was a pretty good Sunday morning. But nonetheless, it was a good way to kind of make things happen. Stay tuned for part two. The first of next year, you'll hear it. Until then... Learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, be safe. <laughs>